Hello, and welcome to Danny Golden's podcast. Today, we are very lucky to have the lovely and talented Miss Heidi Bacani, licensed marriage family therapist, joining us again for episode four. Hi again, Danny. Thanks for having <laughs> me. Really good to see you again. You too. Always a pleasure. Um, for those who missed it, um, last uh, podcast, episode three, we uh, discussed highly sensitive people. So if you have not seen it or listened to it, please check it out. And today we are going to dissect the digital short titled Disastrous Dinner with Boyfriend's Family. But before we get into the meat and potatoes, let's uh, pass the baton to Ms. Heidi so that she can do her disclaimer. Real quick disclaimer, <laughs> viewers, please, uh, please don't take the information we provide as medical advice or placement for therapy. And um, please keep in mind that the content of our podcast is um, solely for the purpose um, of, inter- of uh, providing information, educating, and entertainment purposes. Love it. All right. So let's get into those meat and potatoes. Um, so talking about the um, the facts behind this disastrous dinner with boyfriend's family, the story, not the facts, the story. Um, so this really happened. And I was in a very um, a serious relationship with mm-hmm. a gentleman who was my best friend at the time and um, thought I was going to. In your 20s, in your 20s right? In my 20s. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. This was in college. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we we thought there was a future together for us. Yeah. And so it wasn't uncommon that I would um, visit his parents with him sure. and, sure. you know, hang out at, at their house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, his family was really nice, but mm-hmm. I started noticing um, the more I got to know them that you know, his mother came from a specific background. I came from a different background and there seemed to be little judgment on my background, not mirroring hers. So for example, I think she was, you know, more from the South, the debutante background. I didn't even know what that was. I was a tomboy, um, really into sports, athletics, being imaginative, creative. I could care less about dressing up and going to a dance and learning proper etiquette. That just was not something that was on my radar. It wasn't important to me. And um, I make no apologies for that. Good for you, Dan. <laughs> I mean, it's just not something I'm interested in. Great for everyone who's interested in it. You do you. But that's I know me. That's not me. I am not a delicate flower. I will probably break one of those pieces of silverware or the, you know, the, the delicate stuff that they have you, you know, whatever. So, um, so what happened this time is that I was at his parents' house, um, and we were eating dinner and his mom and in the scene, his sister isn't there. Um, mm-hmm. but his mom and is in real life, his mom and his sister were making fun of me, not thinking I was smart enough to know that that it was happening, that they were making fun of me in front of me. And they were basically poking fun at how I held my knife when I cut my steak. So in the scene, Mm -hmm. you'll see that I take this opportunity uh, years later, decades later, to relive how I would handle that now as an adult. And I'm not sure how I would really handle it in real life. It's much easier to... Mm -hmm 
concoct a story and be like, yes, looking back, I would definitely handle it this way. Um, I think, you know, in real life, what I did was I, I acknowledged Mm -hmm. that the situation was happening. I politely excused myself and went upstairs to the room that I was staying in and cried. Mm -hmm. And, um, there were no cell phones at the time. So I remember trying to find a landline discreetly and calling my parents and calling my mom and basically crying to her. Mm -hmm. And she was of course horrified. Mm -hmm. And the only person who apologized was the father who excused Mm -hmm. himself from the table and then walked upstairs and said, I'm so sorry, that was completely inappropriate. But, you know, it's obviously understandable that I would not feel welcome or comfortable around his parent, you know, his, his mom and his sister again. Mm -hmm. And the reason why Heidi and I thought that this would be a great digital short to dissect is because unfortunately this is not an uncommon situation. Um, I have had, and I'm not going to disclose because I am the vault, Mm -hmm. but I've had several people share with me, um, situations similar to mine Mm -hmm. where, um, someone of the opposing family made them feel Mm-hmm. less than, not welcome, not good enough. Um, and I think that's really unfortunate. So mm-hmm. we're going to dissect this digital short and we're going to have the luxury during this podcast of having a licensed marriage family therapist with us to know how we could navigate the situation. God forbid it happens in the future, right? Right, right. and to help, help the viewers out when they find themselves in the situation. Yes, yes, exactly. So, um, you know, so starting, we'll just do our back and forth, Heidi. So starting with the initial opening of the scene, when I walk in um, to the house, there's little to no acknowledgement of my, um, of my presence, especially from the mom. Right. That, that got a 10 out of 10 neck hair is standing up on the back of my neck. (laughs) (laughs) That was the first. Injury, <laughs> first assault. <laughs> right, right. Um, and then, of course, I tried to be gracious and bring flowers. Um, and it's evident in the in the digital short that she despises the flowers because they represent me. And um, and uh, my friend Zephyr, who's playing that role, does a brilliant job. And um, you know, was just utterly disgusted when she was looking at the flowers and trying to put them in the vase and, and everything. So. Yep. Incident number two. Nine, yeah. <laughs> nine and <ten. laughs> um, and then we go and we, um, so once we get into the house, I give her the flowers, we go and we sit, um, we go to the dinner table to figure out where we're going to sit. And right. instead of my boyfriend sitting next to me, um, the mom insists that, uh, that, you know, he sits next to her and he happily obliges with little to no consideration on how that's going to make me feel, which in real life, I would not be happy with that situation. Um, and in the moment he was sitting next to me, but it didn't matter. Um, in the sense that I don't really, and I don't want to make my ex sound like this horrible human being. I mean, we're all imperfect. Um, but I don't, remember us ever having a conversation like Mm. him saying to me, I'm sorry for the behavior of my mom. I really Mm. distinctly remember his father being the only one who was apologetic. So, um, I just have these notes, no regard for my level of comfort or my desire or the desire to make me feel welcome. Mm. 
especially and obvious. Oh, go ahead. I was saying, especially during the first meeting with Amon, like the fact that he didn't give you any warning or like try to include you more. Um, he made right. Sure, I think that like it, that definitely wasn't enough to help you feel included. Yeah. And this is outside my comfort zone. Like this isn't my parents' house. This is your family's house. Exactly. So it's, yeah, it's really your responsibility as my partner to make sure that I feel safe. Right. Yeah. Um, we did include a little funny bit where I mispronounced the last name of my boyfriend's family just be, just to, you know, hit a further, you know, hit on that note that there's nothing I can do in this situation that's good enough. Yeah, that was good levity, though, in the <laughs> <story>. <laughs> Levity, yes. Comedy is the, <laughs> is the spice of life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, she puts a wine called Troublemaker in front of me as the <laughs> beverage of choice, which is another, yeah, icebreaker. Um, and a little thing that we, we, you know, snuck into this get as well. You tried to connect by bringing, like making small talk basically, but a way to connect. It's still an effort to connect. I think when you commented on your shirt matching the tablecloth, I noticed. Oh, that yes. That was like an effort. Yes. I was basically saying we were, we have the same taste. Like, look, your tablecloth matches my shirt. And she was yeah. like, of course it does. <laughs> but I mean, she, she acknowledged it, but it was also, it came across to me like she wasn't really making, she wasn't reciprocating the effort. She wasn't like really engaging you, you know, she just was very brief. I'll just say that. Yeah. And I think this goes for other relationships that we have in life when we, when we don't feel heard, seen or accepted, um, or the desire to welcome us is, is present, Mm -hmm. you know, and we, um, find ourselves, I find myself trying to, you know, make that small talk, find that common connection, search for that common ground. And it's, it's sad and frustrating when it doesn't happen. And the reason it's sad is because, you know, it does feel like you're back in, you know, your adolescence and someone's excluding you purposely from a group activity, right? Yeah. And it takes a lot of courage to make that effort and for it to not be like thoroughly acknowledged, thoroughly acknowledged, I think. Yeah. I think for me, when I'm in those situations, it's like I'm walking on, um, I'm seeing like a, um, an ice skating pond, like in nature, mm-hmm. like when a pond freezes over, it almost feels like I'm walking on that pond, like trying to get to this one mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. and I just keep slipping and falling, but I'm not willing to give up and I want to keep going. But yet I fall in like on my face and hurt myself. But it's like, I have this idea that if I keep walking and keep right. moving forward, I'll make up for it. And I won't, that won't be what will happen. Yeah. It, it, and that is dependent on the person sitting across from us, I think. Yeah. Whether they, they meet us, you know, instead of like us moving towards them and them moving away, if it's more Mm -hmm. moving towards each other, then yeah, it'll work out. You can, you can get to the middle of the pond and meet each other, but yeah, it depends on who's sitting across from us for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. And, And what? Whether or not we have that experience of being seen and heard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
So I wanted to take this time um, with you, Heidi, I'm just looking at my notes, um, to discuss how to navigate difficult situations with potential future in-laws or your significant other's family. Because like we said, um, this isn't an, unfortunately, this is not an uncommon experience. So I think this is definitely worth diving into. Yeah, this is going to be everyone's experience with meeting their partners, you know, parents for the first time. So I want people to feel ready and prepared for the unknown of it, you know? Right. Um, and narcissistic, narcissistic parents, which I, I would, I feel safe in saying that I think this mom was definitely showing some traits. Um, it's, it's such a common common personality type that we deal with in everyday life. So I think it's, it's helpful to recognize that there's things you can do to feel safe around people who are, um, who are limited in this way, um, or have these, you know, tendencies, behaviors that make people feel like outsiders. So yeah, let's, let's go over some things that, that we can do during these like awkward moments with, the moms, you know, or the dads that we're meeting for the first time. Absolutely. So, so the first thing I thought of suggesting was being direct and actually commenting um, and acknowledging how uncomfortable it is in, in a situation. If you're feeling like someone is making every attempt to dismiss you, disregard you, just calling it out. I think, um, so that you're not sitting, so that I'm not sitting, um, in that discomfort, uh, and internalizing everything that's going on, negative that's going on at the table. So almost like in this situation, if I had leaned back and started laughing and been like, well, (laughs) this is awkward. Right. This is awkward. This is, this is really uncomfortable. I'm really uncomfortable and just leave it that. You know, just mm-hmm. putting it out there, I think, um, is a way for us to not suppress the feeling, be, be still be genuine and authentic and, and then make the other person, make it known to the person who's, who's working so hard to reject us that like we see what's happening in the room right now. Yeah. So like calling, calling someone out, um, in a, in a, not an attacking way just acknowledging like how we're feeling about the situation. I was going to say polite, diplomatic, or using humor to deflect, like almost like self-deprecating way, right? That's how I would do it. Like, wow, I feel really uncomfortable right now. Exactly. (laughs) This is awkward. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay, what else? I was going to suggest also... um, if there are negative comments made to us by someone at the dinner table, um, letting the comments, not letting it go, but like not necessarily acknowledging that the comments are being made, um, kind of like deflecting by talking about something else, changing the topic, um, that I think that requires a level of like boundary work though, where we we recognize that like that's their negativity. That's not our stuff, whatever they're 
putting out into whatever energy they're putting out into the room has nothing to do with us. Like that's all their, that's all their stuff that they're like putting out there. So that's a, that's a style of boundary work. I think that we can do with people that are negative at a dinner table. I love that. And I'm even thinking that I can use these tools in other situations, right. you know, because it doesn't just happen, unfortunately, at a dinner table, right? These situations tend to be, unfortunately, and I know I'm using that word a lot because it is unfortunate, mm -hmm. more prevalent in today's society. But I was visualizing like Wonder Woman, like, psh, 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 you know, <laughs> kind of like, and then, boundary, and then, boundary. <laughs> right, boundary, boundary, boundary. And also like, not mine, not mine, not mine, not mine, you know? And then, um, because then I feel like I was imagining myself sitting at that table when negative comments were being made. And it's like, um, and then I was also, while I was thinking about Wonder Woman, I was thinking almost like, um, someone where you have to like an old boat where you have to like get the motor going, like you're actually preventing that motor from getting to go because you're not feeding it. Exactly. Right. You're not giving it gas to go. You're taking it away by not acknowledging it. Exactly. You rec you recognize that it's happening. That's the, the dynamic right. going on, but you're not giving energy to it. You're not reacting to it. Right. Is boundary. I mean, you're reacting to it, but not really in a way that's above it. Well, you're responding to it is what you're doing. Okay. Okay. And that's always, that's the goal is responding. I like that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, you're responding, not reacting. I like that. Okay. And that actually helps me go into my fourth suggestion, which was, um, you know, when we're in social situations, I think there's, um, with a negative parent, that we're meeting for the first time there it's already so exhausting and taxing, you know, because it's, you're dealing with so many unknowns in that situation that we want to go into that with a mindset of like protecting our energy. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so that not giving the other person your energy by, by reacting to it, you know, instead like feeling, being aware or be the observer of the discomfort that we're feeling or the negativity that's being broadcasted and not internalizing it, recognizing that that's her or his stuff um, is a way to protect our energy so that we can be more present, you know, during conversations with other people at the dinner table or um, to feel safe. Yeah. And I think that's hard. I think I definitely, you know, I, and I don't know that it's always related to age, right? I think um, this can just be contingent on our insecurities, right, as individuals. Right. But I have a tendency when people behave in a way that's, I am, I feel blindsided to their right. behavior, whether, you know, it's we're at the dinner table and it's a parent or a sibling um, of my significant other mm -hmm. or it just in life. Um, oh, my gosh, I'm totally skip blinking on my train of thought, but, um, reserving your energy, protecting your energy. Oh yeah. It's hard not to internalize it and oh, wonder, yeah. totally. you know, I can't help sometimes, but think, is there, some, could I be doing something different that would have prevented this situation from happening? No. You, know, you know, I know, but that's what I, you know, unf yeah, that's what goes on in my brain. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I think so it's great that you're saying no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, and I, and I if I could be on your shoulder during those situations, I would be whispering like, Danny, don't work so hard. <laughs> don't okay. work so hard? Oh, I love that. Okay. This person doesn't deserve you to work so hard in the situation. You don't need to. You can like, you can not take it on, whatever this person is broadcasting. That's such a breath of fresh air. I love that. You can sit on my shoulder anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Get that other person (laughs) off there. (laughs) Well, take me with you. Take all of our friends Mm -hmm. with you. (laughs) Yes, I definitely will. Have good boundaries and know how to do this work. You know, which we right. right? Yes, I do. I'm I'm very lucky and fortunate where I have a life full of wonderful people. Yeah, we can take each other with us. Yes, high stress situations. Definitely. Um, what other tools? Okay. One last suggestion. Um, read books. We can read books on this topic because it is such a, such a, uh, common experience that, and, and I'll go back to what I was saying earlier about dealing with a narcissistic parent that there's this, this is such a, um, stressful, type of relationship to have for a lot of people that there are many, many books written on how to cope and deal with a narcissistic parent. And um, I think it would apply to someone who is coming into a situation with, where their partner is, has a narcissistic parent that could help them feel pre- more prepared. Um, some of the books, I'll give these to you so that you can put them on the list, Danny. I would love that. The description list of these books. One of them is Will I Ever Be Good Enough by Dr. Carol McBride. Um, Another one is Narcissistic Mothers, How a Son Can Face the Narcissist by Dr. Maria Shahida Emma Daughters is her name. Okay. All right. And these will be below the, these will be in the copy for everyone listening and viewing this just so you can check these out. And Good Morning Monster by Catherine. <sighs> I know Catherine Gildner. This is a this is the Good Morning Monster is a book written by a therapist who who uh, showcases five. I think it's five clients who have a narcissistic parent and their journey through. Oh wow! Like recovery um, from having a narcissistic parent. So those were some good ones I came across. Um, but I hope help, help people out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, well, and no, I was thinking the, um, they did, they had a, Jennifer Lopez was in this, uh, monster in law like this oh. again, this is a universal issue, right? right? Um, so when you said good morning monster, that was the first thing I thought of was, oh, <laughs> cause Jane Fonda plays her mom. Oh. She does a brilliant job. Yeah. No, this one was not written by J-Lo. It was written. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say? I said this one was not written by J-Lo. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just thinking, you know, there. this is um, prevalent. Right. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Absolutely. Um, anything else you would like to add? That's it. As far as suggestions, I mean, take what to the, to the viewer, the listener you know take what feels helpful and leave the rest you don't have to do any of this you can do some of this you can do all of this just wanted to put some stuff out there for how to cope and deal no I love that and I love those tools and they felt very um 
calming and um I could definitely see myself in in various situations utilizing those tools and having them be extremely helpful. And I think it's like everything that you do in life. It's a muscle that you need to exercise. So, you know, responding instead of reacting is a muscle that you need to practice, you know, because it's much easier to react, right, than it is to take a deep breath, you know, and realize it's it's not me, it's them. And respond accordingly to the situation. Right. Um, so yeah, I think that's very, very important. Um, and I love also that you said, take what you, you know, you feel is helpful and leave the rest because I also think that's a, that's very important. It's like, um, I mean, I'm not a licensed therapist, but whenever I give feedback or, you know, advice to someone, or I find myself in the therapy chair, Mm -hmm. I think that's a very comforting because some, some, you know, recommendations or tools just don't feel natural to my toolbox. While whereas others, I'm like, yes, I can definitely do that. That's something that I can, you know, will be helpful for me. And if I can just do one, two, and three, I'll be good. Right. So yeah. No, very, very helpful. Thank you, Heidi. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I, I don't assume that everything I say is going to be, um, applied. Like I definitely like want to offer, that suggestion of, of in, in life in general, like you're going to get a lot of advice and a lot of, of opinions and a lot of discussion. <laughs> now, use what's helpful. You don't have to use all of it. <laughs> no right. Question. And, and right. And then do what feels right for you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay. So we talked about um, navigating difficult situations with um, potential future in-laws or significant others, family. Um, do, is there a, do we want to get into the importance of boundaries because this definitely talks about that? Or do you feel like we covered that with the, you know, with the tools? I think we touched on boundary work, what that can look like. Um, I mean, this is, this digital short is a great example of how we can apply, how we can apply boundary work so that we can feel safe in, in these um, first time meetings with people, parents, uh, people's parents, so I don't know if I want to add anything else at this point, Danny. I think we went over it pretty much. Okay. No, no, no. This is great. I'm just going through my outline. Okay. So, um, and then, um, I was just thinking, um, I never confronted, oh, what were you going to say? Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I never confronted my ex and, and had a candid conversation with him where I said, you know, it was very upsetting to be in that situation that I remember, yeah. um, that I can recall. It's possible I blocked it out, but I don't remember um, having the wherewithal to be able to communicate properly and say, uh-huh. this was a very uncomfortable situation. I did not appreciate how you behaved in that situation. I also did not appreciate how your mom and your sister felt, it felt like they were bullying me. And while, you know, I don't hold you responsible for the, for their behavior, I definitely don't want to be in a relationship with someone with whom I don't feel safe and comfortable with. Right. Um, pardon? Who doesn't protect me. Right. Who doesn't protect me. I mean, you're leaving me hanging out on the wing. Right. Right. No, I think that would be, that's still, still something you can do today. Even though it's years and years, you know, later, uh, um, I encourage clients to do that work um, 
any time in life when they feel like they have a, a resentment towards someone that is still unresolved or they have unresolved anger towards someone. Um, and what this looks like is writing the letter and it fully expressing how that, that event impacted you in the moment, you know, how it still affects you today. And you may, you may send the letter, you may not send the letter, but you have those, you, that's, those are options, you know, you don't have to, but at least processing so that you can have some understanding of whether or not these still, these things still affect you today, I think can be helpful for, um, our confidence in, you know, in first time meetings. Yeah. And just personal growth, right? Um, even saying that to you, um, cause I've never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really hadn't thought about the incident until, you know, we were discussing, you know, content for the podcast. And then I was thinking, well, this is really funny and this is something that really happened to me and let's explore it. And then I think now talking about it, um, and rewatching the digital short, it is uncomfortable and it wasn't this fun experience and something with, with which I, I, I don't wish to relive it. Right. Um, and I wouldn't say I have anger. I would say I'm more disgusted Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and I think there's a little of, um, and this is one of the things that I think we as humans do to ourselves, um, I do to myself, is I'm disappointed that I didn't have the tools back then <laughs> to navigate it better, right? So it's like you're watching your younger self and it's almost like um, you're watching a video of your life, right? So you fast forwarded time and now you're going back and you're watching your past and you know, it's like you're watching a movie, but you're the char- the main character and then, you know, there's sadness that you feel in your heart that like, wow, this person had to endure this and other people have to go through this. And this is just unfortunate, but I know it's all meant to teach us, um, about ourselves and about, you know, how to, you know, handle certain situations. But I think those were the feelings that came up were just, wow, this is really, was not an enjoyable experience and we can leave it at that. Yeah. Your 20 year old self deserves a lot of a lot of uh, praise for being courageous enough to put herself in that situation and for doing something creative with that experience today, you know, and, and doing something productive with that disgust, anger, shame, whatever came up for you, you know, that Mm -hmm. you're, you're trying to help people now with these, Mm -hmm. with these experiences so that they can protect themselves or feel comfortable or advocate, learn to advocate. You're modeling these things now, Danny. So yeah, um, your 20 year old self did exactly what she was supposed to do in my book. Well, thank you. That made me feel much better. <laughs> no. And, and it does make me feel better to utilize, um, pain from the past, you know, yeah. to propel, to propel others and myself forward. It's, yeah. it's definitely, um, makes me smile. Yeah. All right. Public service announcement time. Okay. So, um, I was, inspired to look for a clinic in my neck of the woods this this episode and what I came across was the South Bay Family Healthcare South Bay Family Healthcare in Redondo Beach um 
This is a, a clinic. Well, so there's multiple clinics that are located all over LA County, but this one specifically is in Redondo Beach. And um, at these different locations, they provide lots of different services, not just psychotherapy. They also provide like dental services, um, okay. HIV testing, um, treatments for HIV, um, medical stuff, like cardio stu- car- cardiovascular treatment. So it's, it's, I think these clinics are mostly for, are only for people without insurance. So people with no insurance are the only ones eligible to go to these clinics. I did call them myself and that's how I found this out that, um, you would have to participate in their, their program and get set up with a primary care physician first before they, before you can see a therapist, you'd have to get a referral from that primary care physician, um, in their program. So it's a process, but it is free. So, you know, and it's for anyone who has no insurance, which there are a lot of people out there that are in that situation. I've been one of those people myself. So it would be, um, good to call them and find out what the steps are. Uh, they are by appointment only and the phone number to the Redondo or actually the, the main office number. And then they'll like, they'll route you to the, whatever location is closest to you. The main phone number is for intake and appointments is 310-802-6170. 310-802-6170. And the Redondo Beach location is at 2114 Artesia Boulevard, Redondo Beach, 90278, California, obviously. So I hope that's helpful. That's very helpful. Thank you. Yes. Um, I think it's always great to have options for people who are not covered. And, um, you know, while it, it, it is a process, I think it's, um, it would, it's definitely something if I was in a period in my life where I didn't have insurance would, and needed help would give it a go. And I think it's great oh, that they yeah. offer this service. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. Same, same for me. I, I have been there and, um, have leaned heavily into like different, different clinics that, um, offered free services and I've had really good results and good care. I mean, it's not perfect. It's not, you know, it's still bureaucracy that you're dealing with. It's not perfect, but, um, but there's people that genuinely want to help and, um, and are skillful, have lots of experience and, um, or professional. So, well, I think that's great. Thank you. And, um, yeah, I don't think anything's perfect. Even the paid ones aren't, as you can see in in the therapist in need of therapy. So yeah, you might as well give it a go. If, if you're looking for help, there's, you know, a resource. So thank you. All right. Well, today's question is, um, going to be, um, I would like you to talk about a time when you were in a situation that is similar to this dinner table scene situation. Um, 
you know, and just, you know, whether you have regrets, do you wish you had handled it differently looking back, what you do different now, you know, all those, all those fun little questions we ask ourselves. Yes. yes. Um, and inquiring minds want to know. <laughs> <laughs> my 20 year old self is definitely not my 40 year old self. <laughs> I'll start with that. Right, right. But, Thank uh, goodness. <laughs> yes. And I sit here as as I listen to you, I'm like li- like physically squirming because it it definitely has been something I have found myself in this in this exact situation. And um, let me see if I can succinctly tell the story. So my specific situation was I was dating someone at the time who, in their culture, it was. Um, very um, taboo, like to date someone outside of their culture. Okay. So, so when this nice young man I was dating uh, wanted to introduce me to the mom, um, we we did a lot of uh, did a lot of talking about what that process would look like, so that. I would be prepared. And um, fortunately, I guess in my situation, he was had the foresight to like give me warning, you know, and also and also protect me from some of the negativity that was going to be wielded my way. Um, we limited the time that I'd spend with her. Like we kept it to like an hour, I think instead of like a full afternoon or evening dinner situation. And I think we only over the span of like a year of dating this person, I think I only saw her like one time. It was just to meet her. And that was it as a way to protect me from the negativity, I think, and the racism that was going to happen in the room. So similar, but not similar to your experience, you know, similar in that she was, she was very, um, like not welcoming, you know, little to no acknowledgement. And, um, she, she made it known to her son that like someone who wasn't from his culture was not going to be, you know, with her son. So it was, you know, it was all stacked against me, but that's okay. We like navigated through it, I think. And, um, we got through it helpful as it was that he was, you know, like able to kind of prepare me for that situation. I mean, I, I think my 20 year old self also with her, what little self-confidence she had, I think, you know, decided that she wasn't going to shield herself by not interacting very much with the mom. And, um, and I wouldn't give her anything negative to say about me. So I, I didn't say very much, you know, for that reason at the dinner table or at lunch or whatever we were doing for an hour. Um, and I would compliment her on her food because A, her food was really yummy. And B, like, mm-hmm. I just wanted some way to connect with her that wasn't going to, like, give her reason to um, attack me. So... I'm going to give, you know, my 20 year old self a little bit of credit for that, but, but, um, it's super uncomfortable and super hurtful when someone doesn't, I mean, we're, we're so young, you know, and 
not experienced in how to deal with the unknown in our in our 20s still. So it's really hard, really hard for all of us, I think. Absolutely. Well, I give your um, 20-year-old self an A+. Plus. <laughs> for creating all those boundaries and having the conversation ahead of time, all of these things that um, I did not do. And um, that's just amazing. And, um, well, you know, not sharing. Either. No, no, I know. Um, no, no, no. I'm not taking on all responsibility. Um, but I just, I just want to thank you for sharing. Um, and because it's never a fun even if there are boundaries, it's never a fun situation to be in. Right. And um, yeah, I just think that's something very helpful for the viewers and listeners to right. hear that it, you know, it, it happens. It's, it's more common than we give it credit, I think. Yeah. And there are things we can do to, to feel safe and to yeah. validate ourselves in those situations where the other person's like totally rejecting us. Yeah. And minimize and minimize the negative impact. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Which I think you did a great job at. So thanks, Yanni. I commend you. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Well, we are done with episode four. So we want to thank you for tuning in. Um, we appreciate you and we hope you tune mm -hmm. in for episode five with me and Miss Heidi Bacani. Um, and, you know, just be kind to yourself and listen to yourself and love yourself and, you know, believe in yourself because those are all very valuable things that I think we forget to do on a daily basis for ourselves. So please do that. And I will work on continuing to do that for myself. Yeah. Thank you so much.